Good morning, church. How are you this morning? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Say amen. Amen. You're thrilled about being alive and among the saints of God. Say amen. amen. If you're happy to be here to worship God today in spirit and truth, say amen. Ah, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Boy, no day like the first day of the week. No day like the first day of the week. Uh, man, keep, you know, implementing things and doing things and changing things to try to distract our attention from Sunday and, you know, doing things. But, folks, it's no day like the first day of the week. And especially when you're honoring God and the worship and just keeping him first in everything you do in your life. There's no day like the first day of the week. Amen. Amen. This morning, we would like to direct your attention to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Oh, man. Boy, I love the book of Romans. I love chapter 1. I love chapter 1. Chapter 1 should be a, a creed for all of us. Chapter 1 should be just marching orders for all of us. Romans chapter 1 and beginning verse number 14. The Bible said, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as as much as is in me. I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto what? Say it like you believe it. For it is the power of God unto what? Salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first. And also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by what? Faith. Let's say that all together. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Oh yeah, because we know for without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. Am I right? Amen. For he that cometh to God but first believe that what? He is and that he is a what? Rewarder of them that what? Diligently. Boy, y'all know that one. Y'all know that one. You ought to know it. We talk about it every Sunday. And you know what? You're not going to heaven unless you know it. Not only know it, you got to believe it. You got to believe it, folks. This morning, my lesson topic is no apology necessary. No apology necessary. As I read to you from Romans 1 and the uh, passages 14 through 17, Paul declares that he is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He makes a declaration that you know, that what he has become in Christ Jesus, he feel the need to make it known to everyone, everywhere. And he is not ashamed about it. Looking back at the life of Paul prior to his conversion, he was a bold spoken person. 
He didn't bite his tongue about what he believed. He was one who spoke with authority. He spoke with the knowledge of what he had been trained and taught to believe. And the people of that time, they feared him greatly, especially those of the household of faith. Let me put it this way, especially those who were members of the Church of Christ. Because back then, the church was called the way. So when you read in your Bible and say, if he found any of the way, that's talking about members of the Church of Christ, folks. Because, see, Judaism was a widespread religion and, and belief, a system of belief. But now something new had came along. The way, the church. And now Paul, Paul, his name at that time prior to his conversion was Saul. He, 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 he didn't like that. He didn't like that. Saul, his name at the time prior to his conversion, was convinced and persuaded that Judaism was the one and only true religious belief. And he had no apologies about his convictions and his beliefs. Acts 9 and uh, verses 1 and 2, you know, Paul makes it clear, you know what? He was convicted about what he believed in. And he was not sorry about it. And to, and to prove he wasn't sorry about it, listen to what the scriptures say, Acts 9, 1 and 2. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Those were his convictions. Those were his convictions that if he found any members of the Church of Christ. Don't get nervous because I interchange that. It is what it is. We and members of the Church of Christ are disciples of Christ. John 8, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my what? Disciples indeed, right? right. And the disciples were first called Christians where? We are disciples. Don't, go, don't get nervous. Don't get, don't get all uptight. It's the Bible, folks. It's the Bible that I'm teaching up here. So Saul went about getting permission that, hey, I want to extend my range. So that I may reach out even further. And if I found any members, any members of this belief, I'm going to have them locked up, bound up, chained up, and and whatever I can do to shut them up. That was his ultimate purpose right there, to shut them up. And that, look folks, those were his convictions. And you know what? As wrong as they turned out to be, He was consistent. He wasn't shy about it. And he made it known because wherever the name Saul was mentioned, fear came upon people. People knew he meant what he believed and he would carry out whatever he said. As the man of God, Stephen, remember the story of Stephen? How Stephen began to preach unto those Jews and talk about how they crucified Jesus and everything and they became so upset 
they became so upset with Stephen that they began to, to, to bite on him and they began to stone him and they stoned him to death. For what? For proclaiming the truth about Jesus and the gospel. And it was Saul. It was Saul who stood there among those that stoned him and he held their garments. And he approved of what they did unto Stephen. He was convicted about what he believed. And he didn't apologize for it. And he stood there in agreement as they stoned this man to death. And as Stephen, as he went down before he could breathe his last breath, the Bible said he looked up unto the heavens and the heaven opened up. And he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He wasn't sitting. He was standing at the right hand of God. And you know what? Saul didn't apologize for it. And as the as wrong as he found himself to be concerning his beliefs and convictions, he never wavered on what he believed. He was sold on Judaism. Hear me out. He was sold on Judaism. Saul was raised as a Pharisee. He was very, he was a scholar. Saul was convicted in his mind concerning Judaism. And he wasn't ashamed about it. Well, since we're speaking about being ashamed, uh, not being ashamed about something, (laughs) aren't we as members of the Church of Christ, the one true church, the one body, aren't we supposed to be sold on Christianity? Aren't we supposed to be sold on the one true faith? Aren't we supposed to be sold on the one and only way? Aren't we supposed to be sold and convicted in our beliefs that, hey, there is only one way. And Jesus is that only way because he declared it himself in John chapter 14 and 6 that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Aren't we supposed to be sold on that? Are we sold on it? Huh? Huh? Are we really sold on it? Because you know what? It's a lot of quietness going on. It's a lot of quietness going on because of the fact people want to challenge and tell us. Got to be more than one way. Surely there's more than one church. And it it, it, it sounds like we, we ain't got quiet in the church of Christ. It seems as if we've gotten quiet and we're not convicted or we're not sure anymore. Somebody help me this morning. We're supposed to be sold on Christianity just like Saul was sold on Judaism. But until that day he traveled down that Damascus road and had that encounter. His eyes were open. First his eyes were closed. He was blinded. But then he was Giving his sight back. And when his eyes were open. Oh he could really see it in. He could really see. He had a come to Jesus moment. He had a come to Jesus moment. And and Jesus informed Saul. Man you're going to suffer many things. For my name's sake. You're going to suffer. But the beautiful thing is. Saul said. Yes Lord. What would you have me to do? 
And Saul did not back down. So my, my point this morning is, if we are going to be convicted and sold out on something, shouldn't it be the truth? Shouldn't it be the truth? If, if folks are going to be bold and loud about lies and everything else, how much louder should we be about the truth? Amen. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 26 and 27. The Bible speaks of the church one day being presented back unto God. Oh, man. I, I was hoping God's people would enjoy some preaching of the truth this morning. I was hoping that I'd get an amen here and there somewhere. But nevertheless, I don't come to preach to people. You know what? I just come to preach the word. And if it fall on some good ground out there, you know what? God bless you. But my preaching ain't contingent upon you saying amen. In Ephesians chapter 5, 26, 27. The Bible said that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or such thing that it should be holy and without what? That it should be holy and without what? And it shall be holy, that it should be holy and without, one more time, without what? Blemish. Notice in those verses that there will be some conditions that will need to be met in order for this church, this, this, this glorious church, the church of Christ. And I keep putting emphasis on that this morning because you know what? We got folks in the church of Christ who don't even want to come out and say they members of the church of Christ. Amen. I'm not apologizing for being a member of the church of Christ. I'm not apologizing for believing that there's only one way. I'm not apologizing for that because I got Bible to back it up. I'm not apologizing for saying that there is only one true church. Ephesians 4 and 4 said there's only one body. Well, if the Bible said there's only one, why should I be ashamed or hesitant to say anything else? There's some conditions that must be met in order for this church or this congregation here at Locust Grove. Let me bring it home. Let me bring it closer. In order for this congregation to be presented unto God as a glorious congregation, as a part of the body, there are some conditions that must be met. The Bible says, number one, it must not have any spot. What are we talking about? Sin cannot dwell among its members. It cannot have any spot. Number two, not have any wrinkle. Number three, not having anything, any type of tarnishment. Folks, sin cannot dwell among God's people. Amen. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. But that it should be holy. And without blemish. Isn't that what the Bible says? 
the Bible says in order for this church to be, this congregation to be glorious, you just can't live any kind of way. You just can't do whatever you want to do and then come up in here on Sunday and sing like you're so holy. God isn't going to accept and God knows. God knows. And we're only deceiving ourselves. Here's a question for you. How is a congregation expected to meet these requirements in a crazy sin sick society that we live in? How is a congregation expected to meet these requirements? Because I, I, I believe there are members who just don't believe it's possible to grow in the faith and stop sinning. There are some folks who just don't believe that they can stop sinning. And because you don't believe you can stop sinning, you deny the power of the gospel. And for you to deny the power of the gospel, you know what? You deny what God did for Jesus to raise him up from the dead to conquer what he conquered. You're saying the word of God is not true. You're saying Philippians 4.13 is a lie. Philippians 4.13 says I can do all things. You know what's included in all things? I can stop sinning. I can make up my mind and I can stop sinning. There are those who don't believe that. There are those who simply just believe I may as well give in. I may as well just do wrong sometime because you know what? I, I, I ain't going to never be perfect. I ain't going to never be, be that good anyway. Well, if you never believe it, you'll never achieve it. And that's why many of us have settled into accepting sin. That's why so many of us, even as members of the body collectively, we see people living in sin, doing sinful things, acting in sinful ways. And you know what? That's why we don't say anything. We become so settled and acquainted with sin, we just don't even see how devastating it is anymore. Boy, like I said, I thought God's people would say amen to the truth. But that's all right. So the question is, how is a congregation expected to meet these requirements in a crazy, sin-sick society? Well, first, the members must be sold on the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. Because it is the power of God unto what? Salvation. That's what he said. See, y'all forgot. Y'all forgot that quick. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Amen. First, the members must be sold on the gospel. The members must believe in its transforming power and its ability to keep on transforming. If you don't believe, you're not going to achieve. If you don't keep on believing, you're not going to keep on transforming. You're going to become stagnated. You're going to become 
stagnated, right where you are. And what happened when, when, when something becomes stagnated and stale, what? It starts stinking. Check your order this morning. The second thing, the members of the congregation must be courageous. Not fearful. Not apologetic. If you believe in it, support it. Distribute it. And be willing to die believing in it. Oh, I, I, see, I said something right there. But you ain't got, that, you ain't got to acknowledge it. Because it's true anyway. I'm going to say it again. The members. The members of this congregation. Must be courageous. Not fearful. Not apologetic. If you believe in it. Do you believe in the gospel? You you acknowledge one day that you did. You acknowledge one day. Because you came forward one day. And you acknowledged and said. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. You acknowledge that confession. And then you went down into the watery grave of baptism. And you came out. Are you sold on that? Huh? Are you sold on it? You used to be. You used to be sold on it. See, that's why we're not excited about it anymore. That's why we don't have the zeal and the joy about it anymore. About sharing it with somebody about how the word of God has transformed our lives. And how the word of God has lit a fire in my soul. How the word of God brings about how forgiving I am. Because see, if I were truly sold on it, you know what? I would still have the same joy. I would still have the same excitement. And I would still want others to know what the transforming power of the gospel has done in my life. But now many of us go around as if we got something to apologize for. People can act a fool, curse, carry on, fornicate, lie, steal, and everything else. And when we hear them and they talk to us or talk about us, we feel like as if we've done something wrong. I don't have anything to apologize for. Why should I apologize for living right? Why should I hold my head down for feeling right? Why should you? Oh my goodness. It's time out for apologizing and being so soft spoken about sin. Sin kills, folks. Sin kills. Sin separates people from God. Sin is a direct transgression against God's commandment. And the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. Now I ask you, what is there to keep silent about concerning sin? Why should I be quiet about sin? Why should I be quiet about sin dwelling among my brothers and sisters in the congregation? If I know it's this, if, if sin is this devastating, And this traumatic. Why should I be quiet about it? Why should I be hesitant about saying something? Why should I feel 
I need to be apologetic for the sin and the wrong that they're doing. What did Paul say in Romans 1? It is the power of God unto salvation. That's what he said, right? For therein, verse number 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Where? In the gospel. This dynamite, this gospel is designed to, to shake up, to shake loose, to wake up. Why should we be quiet? Why should we be silent? It's time to stop being so apologetic. If it dwells among us, it needs to be purged. Let me say it again. If it, if it dwells among us, it needs to be purged out. We have examples throughout from the Old Testament all the way. And, and I love to use the example about Achan over in the book of, of Joshua. When, when God told those Israelites, when they went, when the walls of Jericho fell, God told the Israelites, don't touch none of the goods and that. The silver, the gold, and all that stuff, the linen, leave it alone. God said, that's mine. Man. It's mine. But oh, Brother Aiken, Brother Aiken, Brother Aiken looked around and said, hey, ain't nobody around here. Why should I just let this nice linen, why should I let this stuff go to waste? Oh, Brother Aiken picked some up, took it, took it home to his tent and buried it up under his tent. Achan forgot one critical point. He may not have physically seen anybody watching him, but there's an all-seeing eye always watching you. There's always an all-seeing eye watching us. Achan stole those things and caused people to lose their lives because of it. Because God says sin had entered the camp. Sin had entered among the people of God and all of the people of God had to suffer for the sin of that one man. And because of the sin of that one man, it ended up causing him and his wife, children, animals, and everything to be put to death. And you telling me we could sit silent and say nothing about sin? No, folks. No, folks. Not in this camp. Not in this camp. Maybe you need to find another one. Maybe you need to find another camp that, that, that's okay with shacking. Maybe you need to find another camp that's okay with, with homosexuality and accepting that. Oh, we, we beg the homosexuals to come with the understanding they must repent. And there must be a change. But oh, this mess about people talking about something. Well, the Lord said, come as you are. Yeah, but the Lord also said, I tell you nay, except you repent. You shall all likewise perish. Why should we, why should we embrace 
sin. Why should we apologize for the truth? And it was in the words of Jesus saying, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Why should we apologize for it? Hmm. Why? If it dwells among us, it needs to be purged. We cannot and will not ever meet the requirements in Ephesians 5 by being quiet and acting like we, we have done something wrong for desiring to live holy and righteous. Come on, God's people. I'm preaching the truth. What does holiness mean to you? What does righteousness mean to you? We've been so desensitized, we've allowed the, the television. Now, you turn the television on, every other commercial, it, it desensitizes you about homosexuality. To, to accept it and to, to, to feel good about it. And now, you know, we used to have members who were stringently against homosexuality until their child came home one day. And now all of a sudden, what we preach from the pulpit and teach from God's word, we're bad people. Because your son or your daughter has lost their way. Not apologizing for that. They need to repent. The problem is they're in sin. Hmm. We need to get back to the business of worshiping God and not ourselves. Stop apologizing for having to call, call out people for their moral and ungodly living. We, we, we hear this excuse all the time among God's people. Well, you know how folks are. I don't want them saying it. It ain't a matter of what you want people to do. Sin is sin. And it needs to be called out. What did God tell Ezekiel? What did God tell Ezekiel? He said, Ezekiel, I'm, I've made you a watchman. I've made you a watchman. And I want you to go unto these people. But first of all, he said, I know who I'm sending you out among. Ezekiel chapter 1 and 2, God said, I know these are some stiff-necked people. I know these are some people. You're, you're walking among these people and they're like scorpions. Amen. He said, I know that they're hard-hearted. I know that they don't want to hear the truth. Right. He said, but I'm making you a watchman. And I'm telling you and I'm sending you out among them. And I want you to tell them whatever I tell you in command and put on your mouth. He said, you tell them to repent. He said, they're not going to want to hear it. But I tell you what, if you tell them and they don't repent, you've done your job. Surely they're going to perish. God said, they're going to hell. They're going to die in their sin and they're going to perish. But their blood will not be on you. He said, but if I tell you to tell them and you don't. And surely still they're going to die in their sin. But the only difference is their blood will be on you. And then you're going to have me to deal with. 
He said, so I'm making you a watchman. You go tell him, I don't care about, I'm not interested in how you feel and what you think. Your job as a prophet is to tell the people what I tell you. What was Jonah's problem? See, many of us got Jonah-itis. We, we, we suffer with Jonah-itis and don't even realize it. Don't go to the doctor trying to figure out what it is. I'm going to tell you what it is. You don't want to listen to God. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. He said, I want you to preach with all your might. He told Jonah, I want you to preach with all your might. I want you to preach and give it all you got. And tell these folks to repent. But you know what Jonah said? I ain't going. I ain't going. Instead of Jonah going to Nineveh, he went somewhere else. And the reason being, Jonah said, you know what? I knew you being the God that you are. If I went there and preached unto these folks, they would repent. And you would forgive them and save them. And Jonah had made up in his mind, you know what? I don't, I don't want these folks to be saved. Are we any different when we sit there and not open our mouths and say anything about sin? You sit there silently and know about sin going on and you won't you won't bring it to the leadership attention. You won't deal with it yourself. There are some things you can deal with. If a brother or sister is wrong in what they're doing, you have the right. I'm saying in love, but you, you don't have to apologize. Amen. Wrong is wrong. Amen. Do you not know you could bring unfavorable conditions upon the whole congregation because of your sinful behavior? Right. You know, sin has a way. Sin has a way. It's just like an infection. It, 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 it finds an area and then does what? It spreads. It spreads. And that's, that's the mentality of people who don't have a problem with sinning. They, 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 they want to come around and they'll join themselves with some weak members who don't have an opposition or they ain't going to say anything about sin. So guess what? Then it rub off on them. Then it rub off on another one. And the next thing you know, you got a bunch of folks. Man. We'll be sitting here at Locust Grove and we'll call ourselves the church at Corinth. You, you know what happened at the church of Corinth, right? People had become so desensitized and so nonchalant about sin. A young man took his daddy's wife and was having sex with him. And the people said, well, and then still had the nerve to call himself the Church of Christ. That's in the Bible. Read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. Paul said, y'all have lost your mind. Paul said, this information came unto me from folks who ain't even members of the church. 
This, this is some, this is behavior that I haven't even heard of the heathens carrying on and doing. And you're supposed to have Christ. And you're doing such things like this. Come on, church. Wake up. What, what, what does it say in Ephesians? A church not what? Having spot, wrinkle, not having anything, not tarnished, but it should be holy and without blemish. Is this the lifestyle we're striving for? Not only striving for, is this the lifestyle we're living? Because, see, we, we, we play with that word striving. Well, I'm trying, I'm striving, I'm striving. Some of you, you know, that's, there should come a point in your life where you master it. Amen. There should come a point in life, you get off the milk. You know, just like babies, just like babies. Baby born, they start with just milk. Then as they get older, you put a little cereal in the milk. Why? Because the milk itself just don't keep them full. So you add a little cereal to that milk. Why? Why? Something to stick in their stomach. To hold them longer. So that they don't keep just getting hungry and hungry. Then after cereal and milk for a while, guess what? You start adding what? Food. Some solids. That's when you start, you, while you sitting at the table eating, while you sitting at the table sopping from your plate, you, you, you dip a little on your finger and you rub it across their mouth and you introduce some solid food to them. Y'all sitting there looking at me like I'm speaking in tongues up here or something. The bottom line is they develop from being on milk to solid food, they develop, they grow, just as we have to grow spiritually. And part of our spiritual walk, folks, part of our spiritual growth is to be courageous. John wrote over in the Revelation letter, he said, the fearful and the unbelieving shall all have their part in the lake of fire. It said the fearful Led the, led the crew. He ain't, said, he ain't said nothing about the fornicators leading the way. The murderers or whatever. He said the fearful. The fearful. You can't serve God and be afraid. Amen. Love conquers fear. Again, this congregation must present itself without having spot, not having wrinkle, not having anything tarnishing his image, but that it should be holy and without blemish. My question is, are we holding one another accountable to live up to this? Sinful behavior should never find a place of comfort among God's people. Amen. Folks talking about, well, you know, you got to be loving and understanding. Folks, don't, don't, don't come to me with that mess. 
We know that we need to be loving. We know we need to be understanding. But you know what? We also need to call a spade a spade. You want to point the fingers and get all upset because sin, because people go out there, get themselves caught up in sin, mess up their lives, and then they want to bring it up in the church. Amen. And when the leadership take opposition to it and call them out and say, no, you cannot continue to worship among us and dwell among us as if nothing's wrong. And this person, I'm just going to call it like it is. You, you, you can't come up in here acting like you're married and you're not. Amen. You can't go out there marrying whoever you want to, however many times you want to. Why do you think we have the word of God? Why do you think we have the Bible? It gives us instruction. Damn, folks want to get upset when we go to the Word of God and say, Have you not read? Amen. Have you not read? Remember when John the Baptist was in jail? <laughs> and he kept he kept sounding off from the from the jail cell. You cannot have her. You cannot have her. King wanted that woman. But John said, you can't have her. It is not lawful for you to have her. And that woman got so mad at John. She set him up. She, she had her daughter to dance before the king. Oh, y'all should be familiar with the story. Yeah. She had her daughter to dance before the king. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. This, this is how powerful lust is. This is how powerful lust is. I don't know what moves and what dance steps she did. But the Bible said the king made an offer to her. He said, you got to ask whatever you can ask whatever you want. I'm going to give it to you. Boy, I don't know what kind of mood she had. But this man said, look, you name it, it's yours, baby. And she went unto her mama. And her mama said, ask for John the Baptist's head on her plan. Kill him. To shed him up. Because she got sick and tired of hearing the truth. And when she asked for John's head, the king had publicly made that announcement. So he had to honor her request. And he knew it was wrong. Folks, we got to stand for truth until death do us part. Because the day we stop abiding in the truth, 
is the day Jesus will stop being our Savior. I'm not apologizing, folks. And you need to stop apologizing if you've been apologizing for being members of the Church of Christ. For believing that the Church of Christ is the only true body of believers that are going to heaven. I'm not saying that there won't be a judgment in the church of Christ. The scripture said there shall be a judgment. Matter of fact, the beginning Amen. of everything will be judgment first in the house of the Lord. That's right. The Bible said judgment must first begin at the house of the Lord. And guess what? After that, it, it's, it's good as over. Even in the church, there's going to have to be some separation. Some are faking it. Some are perpetrating. Some are cowards. Some never wanted to grow up. Some never wanted to call out sin. Some, some just didn't want to offend, and it was more important to them how a person felt than how it reflected against God. See, there will be a separation, there will be a judgment in the church. And that's why when it's all said and done, there will be a church without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. Because all this other foolishness is going to be removed. But it doesn't mean you have to be removed. I'm just simply saying today, you need to stand up for what is right. Stand up for truth. Folks, we would never be and we will never reflect the truth of what the church is supposed to reflect to the lost sinners if we allow sinful acts and behavior to come among us and dwell and we act like we don't see it. We suppose, why did we go into the water of grave of baptism? Amen. For the remission of what? Sins. Now the Bible asks, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer was what? God forbid, right? So why would we want to allow sin to come in from something we've been delivered out of? If folks don't want to live right when they come here and hear the truth, you know what? They need to, they need to be gone. Our message is the same message from the Bible. Repent! The church ain't designed to, to, to conform to sinful behavior. People supposed to conform to the word. And if they don't want to conform to the word, they got a problem. We're not going to apologize and come, don't come talk about your, where you just being mean. You know what? We are no more meaner then it takes for them to act crazy and act foolish to commit fornication, adultery, and everything else. Why aren't they mean? Why aren't they terrible people? Why are we so terrible because we call them out and call them what the Bible calls them? Man, bump, y'all. It's sin, and that's what we're going to call it here. And if, that, and if that shakes your boat 
and, and bothers you, you need to find somewhere else that's going to that's gonna tickle your ear and scratch your itch. But I'm serious about going to heaven, folks. I'm serious about the fact that, hey, de- I, I got more time behind me than I do ahead of me. And with health issues and everything else going on and, and shootings and straight bullets flying everywhere, you ain't got as much time as you think you do. Amen. I'm saying live right. Yeah. Do what's right. And if you, if you live right, you could die right. You die right, you could be resurrected right. And if you're resurrected right, it's going to be all right. So what say you this morning? You done apologizing? You ready to open your mouth and declare like Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not because I know what it has done for me. I know what the gospel has done for me. I know the darkness I once lived in and I know what darkness it brought me out of into the marvelous light. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not. And I'm willing to tell everybody and let everybody know how good God has been to me. Because therein the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Folks, Buckle up. Buckle up. Because there's some crazy teachings out there. There's some crazy people out there carrying around this crazy teaching. But you know what? We ain't buying it. I believe the Church of Christ is the right place. I'm not guaranteeing the people. I'm guaranteeing the doctrine. You might find some, some bad spoils in it, but that don't make all of us wrong. I believe there's only one way, and Jesus is that way. It ain't a matter of color, matter of race, or ethnicity. No, no, no. You, you, hey, you ain't got to get caught up in all of that. Our walk, our journey is a spiritual thing, folks. Color don't even matter. And I believe Christ is coming back for only one church. I'm sorry if your grandmama wasn't a member of it. I'm sorry if your granddaddy wasn't a member of it. I'm sorry if your husband don't want to be a part of it. I'm sorry if your wife don't want to be a part of it. Maybe she goes somewhere else. The church of Christ is the church. Christ is coming back for Got Bible to prove that. And I'm not going to apologize. And don't lie on me for being mean spirited. For believing in what the Bible say. You just a rebellious stiff neck generation. Who just don't want to accept the truth. Let me quit boy before I really shift in overdrive. Folks.